Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so last time we finished the fourth book in the Pesky Kids series, Near Extinction, uh, which means that this time we're going to be picking up with the first chapter of the fifth and final book in the series, The Pesky Kids, The Final Mission. Okay, so before we get into it, I just want to do <laughs> a little bit of explaining. Okay, so this is the last book in the Pesky Kids series. The, the book four took me 11 weeks to read. Uh, so I imagine this is going to take about the same amount of time. It's going to be like 10 or 11 episodes for me to get through the whole book, which is great because that will bring me up to just before September when the book of the podcast, Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt, is coming out. Um, so I hope to be back doing the regular short stories, the Nanny Piggins histories and uh, Greek myths and maybe some tall tales. I hope to be back doing those um, before September so that will feed in nicely to the launch of that book. But in the meantime, I know there's a lot of people out there who really love the Pesky Kids and are really excited that I'm doing them again. But I also know that a lot of you out there are huge Nanny Piggins fans and you're hanging for me to do some more Nanny Piggins stories. Well, I'll probably take a break in June for one week because the audiobook of Nanny Piggins 4, Accidental Blast Off, is coming out on, I think it's the 13th of June, and that should be available, I think, everywhere internationally to download digitally. So if you're a huge Nanny fan and you've been missing her, uh, you can download that audiobook to tide you over until um, I'm back doing Nanny Piggins episodes. It would also be a huge help to the podcast because, you know, um, selling the audiobook is a way of me making an income. All right, I think that explains it all. Uh, yes, yeah, so the audiobook's coming out on the 13th of June, and that's the audiobook of Nanny Piggins 4. And um, I'm going to be doing the Pesky Kids for the next 10 or 11 weeks. There's other stuff coming up, but I'll, I'll explain that as we go along. Let's just get stuck into this week's story. Here we go. Chapter 1, Time to Decide. We need to get out of here now, said Mum. This debacle will send up red flags online. Our security has been compromised. We're not safe here anymore. Mum was watching the immigration vehicles pull out from the end of the driveway. A couple of them had tried chasing Ingrid on foot, but they were not an athletic bunch. They soon hurried back to speed off after her in their cars. Joe, Finn, April, Loretta and Dad were preoccupied with cleaning themselves up. They were still covered in manure-laced water. We're not going anywhere, said April. I need a shower. I smell worse than Joe's feet. Pumpkins, get off. Pumpkin was rubbing his face lovingly on April's soggy sock. I quite like the smell, said Dad, sniffing his own shirt. It's the smell of spring in the garden. Spring in the garden after a flock of chooks has pooped all over everything, said April. You're not listening. You all need to pack a bag now, said Mum. We need to leave this building in less than three minutes. If our cover is blown, there could be helicopters on the way here already. 
No, said Joe firmly. This caught everyone's attention. He was so rarely adamant about anything. This isn't a building. It's a home. Well, technically, it is a building, said Finn. It would be more accurate to say this is more than a building. It is our home. April whacked Finn with the back of her hand. Stop being pedantic when Joe is trying to be profound. Besides, Mrs Pesky, you have to be reasonable, said Loretta. It isn't a good time of year to travel. There are too many tourists in Europe, and Brazil is no fun when it's cold. You don't understand the seriousness of the situation. Your lives are in jeopardy, said Mum. The collective probably already knows you're here. Pah, said April. I'm not worried about the collective. It's Professor Maynard I don't trust. She could be on her way too, said Mum. We can get to the coast by nightfall. I've got enough cash to bribe our way onto a container ship bound for South America. Once we get to Chile, we can make our way across country to the Amazon jungle. I know a tribe who will give us shelter. No one will ever find us. Nup, said Finn. I've got a history assignment due tomorrow. I've been working on it for weeks. I'm handing it in. Yeah, and I've just been made captain of the school rugby team, said April. I've got responsibilities. Those drongos need me. And I like it here, said Joe. Harold, talk to them, said Mum. We need to leave. No, said Dad. We're not going anywhere. I'm tired of living in fear. Better to live in fear than to die in fear, said Mum. No, repeated Dad. I'm staying. I agree with the children. If someone comes here, we'll face that when it happens. Hopefully it won't happen. You're mad, said Mum. Yes, agreed Dad. I know. No one was more aware of his mental health limitations than Dad himself. You can run if you want to. Mum turned to the children. Come with me. It's for your own good. Yeah, nah, said April. I'm taking a shower. She headed for the staircase, Pumpkin scrambling along behind, trying to lick her socks. Mum looked at Joe. He looked at the floor. He didn't want to say anything. Mum knew what that meant. Finn, asked Mum. You're the one who's always logical. You've damaged your credibility, said Finn. Dad may be weak and cowardly, but we know that. Whereas we found out three months ago that we don't know you at all. Maybe it's you we should be most afraid of. Finn turned and left the room too. Like Joe, he didn't want to look his mum in the eye. Mum and Dad were the only ones left. This is a mistake, said Mum. A terrible mistake. That's all right, said Dad. While you're away, we got used to making lots of those. Chapter 2 The New Normal There was an uncomfortable silence in the kitchen the next morning as Joe, Finn, April and Loretta got ready for school. Even Pumpkin was quiet as he chewed on a bone. He hadn't been given a bone, so goodness knows where he got it from. It was strange having Mum in the house. She'd given up any pretense of being the bumbling academic they'd known before. She didn't even look like the Mum they were used to. She was lean and wiry and intimidating. Mum was inured to silence. It was one of the techniques the collective had used to try and break her will in prison. She barely registered the sullenness of her children. She was focused on food as she went to the fridge. It would be nice to eat something that didn't involve pickled cabbage. Mum was met with disappointment. There's no food. Duh, said April. There never is. Joe hasn't had a chance to do the shopping yet. Joe does the shopping on Monday after school, Finn explained. So we've always run out of food by Monday morning and we have breakfast in town. There's plenty of veg from the garden if you want to eat it, said Dad, as he entered through the French doors, carrying an armload of green leaves. The kale is particularly bountiful at the moment. Oh, Mr Pesky, said Loretta, even Vlad doesn't like kale, and he's a herbivore. 
Vlad was Loretta's horse. He was an enormous stallion with a vile temperament who normally ate everything from regular horse feed to prize-winning roses and washing straight off the line. I can't go into town and eat in a restaurant, said Mum. I just escaped from the collective. I've got to lie low. Ha! said April, barking out a laugh. Then you shouldn't have come to Karawong. What? asked Mum. Everyone will know you're here already, explained Finn. The intelligence network in Karawong is better than any spy organisation, added Loretta. What do you mean, asked Mum. Gossip, said Joe. It spreads quicker than the bubonic plague in a rat-infested sewer, added April. After breakfast, you can see where we go to school, said Finn. He so desperately wanted Mum to be proud of him, or at least interested in him. I'd like that, said Mum. Finn smiled. I should check that they've got a secure perimeter, said Mum. Finn's face fell. Mum and Dad didn't have bicycles and flying into town in a helicopter seemed ostentatious, so they all walked instead. Mum felt very exposed walking along a public street. It was weird being outside after all those months locked up. The countryside was nice enough, if you like flat, square fields, but as they got closer to town they started to come across people, and that really unnerved her. Strangers waved or called out from passing cars. Hello, Mrs Pesky! Welcome to Karawang, Mrs Pesky! Why are all these people smiling at me, asked Mum. Ah, ignore it, advised April. If you smile back, you'll only encourage them. Suddenly, a car squealed to a halt. Pumpkin barked wildly. Mum braced, ready to counterattack if it was the collective. But it was a perky middle-aged brunette with way too much hairspray in her bouffant hair who had leaned out the driver's window. Oh, Mrs Pesky, if you want your hair done, just pop into my salon, said the woman. Oh, this is Sonia, Mrs Pesky, explained Loretta. She runs the hair salon in town. You don't need an appointment, said Sonia happily. I know you've been on the road and you'll be desperate to dye out that grey. Actually, my name is Dr Banfield, said Mum. I didn't know you were a doctor, said Sonia. Perhaps you can have a look at my bunion when you come to the salon. You don't understand, began Mum, but Sonia was already pulling away. What's wrong with these people, asked Mum. Why are they all making eye contact and being friendly? Is there some sort of facility for the mentally impaired nearby? They're not mentally impaired, said Loretta. They're nice. Please, said April. They can be both, although my money is still on brain damage from heavy metal poisoning in the water supply. Up ahead, an elderly couple coming the other way crossed the street to greet them. Well done, love, said old Mrs Peterson, grabbing hold of Mum's hand and squeezing it affectionately. Mum had to fight the urge not to throw the old woman over her shoulder and slam her into the ground, as her training had taught her. Good on you for running off that foreign shit. I beg your pardon, said Mum. We don't need foreigners like that here, said old Mrs Peterson. But I'm Jewish, said Mum. My family emigrated from the Russian Pale, and my husband's family is from Poland. We're foreign too. Yes, but you're not beautiful and young, said old Mrs Peterson, unperturbed. They're the worst kind, coming here and stealing our men. Have you had a bad experience, Mrs Peterson asked Loretta, partly to be conversational and partly out of morbid curiosity. Oh, yes, said Mrs Peterson. When I was just 16 years old, Bjork Thorstotter arrived in town fresh off the boat from Iceland. She stole the love of my life from me. Hey, said Mr Peterson. He'd been distracted by Pumpkin trying to chew his walking stick, but he'd caught the last part of the conversation. I thought I was the love of your life. We've been married for 61 years. Oh, put a sock in it, Daryl, said old Mrs Peterson, letting go of Mum and tucking her arm through his as they both shuffled away. The peskies crossed through the Daffodil Gardens and turned onto Main Street. This is it, said Finn. Normally, Currawong looked like any other small country town, with a couple of dozen shops lining either side of the main road. But today, everything looked unusual. 
the townspeople were decorating. It must b- b- be another festival, said Joe. Currawong had festivals most weekends. The locals couldn't get enough of them. Or rather, the local small business people couldn't get enough of them. It was how the town attracted tourists. Visitors certainly weren't going to come for the natural beauty of the landscape, and definitely not for the cultural life of the town. But it looks like they're covering the town in thousands and thousands of... Mum struggled to think of an appropriate word and eventually gave up. Poops! I think you'll find they're meant to be potatoes, said Finn. Have they ever seen a potato, asked Mum. To be fair, said Dad, the local strainer potato, the Bromwen Brown, does look a lot like that. It's a very brown and tubular spud. And people eat it, exclaimed Mum. It's delicious, boiled, fried or baked, gushed Dad. It's a truly versatile vegetable and very high in fibre, so it's good for the bowels. Round here, they say, a Bromwen Brown a day keeps the proctologist away. Dad pointed to a big brown banner hung over the post office that said exactly this. A baseball batter day would keep him away too, grumbled April. Hurry up, said Joe, as he surged ahead. They were within sniffing distance of his favourite establishment, the Good Times Café. The café itself was disgusting and grotty, but they did serve five-dollar egg and bacon rolls. Being six foot three and still growing, Joe loved cheap, plentiful food in all its forms. He didn't care how much bacteria was growing behind the splashback in the kitchen, or at big flakes of ceiling paint occasionally wafted down onto your plate. He never put his egg and bacon roll down on the plate once he picked it up and started eating, so it really didn't matter. I want to check something, said Mum. She'd just seen someone slip into the alley alongside the post office. Being an international super spy, Mum did not immediately assume that they were simply taking the shortcut to the co-op stock feed lot. She assumed they were a member of the collective reporting to a higher authority, so she went to check it out. Oh dear, said Dad. I'd better go and make sure she doesn't hurt somebody. He hurried after Mum, and the kids went ahead into the Good Times Café. Joe slid into their regular booth, the one down the end, furthest away from the other customers. April had a tendency to get into fights, usually with people complaining that she'd brought her dog into the restaurant. And Joe did not want that to happen, at least not until after he'd eaten. The only problem was that to eat, Joe must first get served, and that was rarely a speedy process in this café. Joe looked around expectantly for Joy, the world's most sullen and miserable waitress. Her heavy black eye makeup perfectly matched the mood of her soul, so she never moved quickly. Joe was therefore taken completely by surprise when an entirely different young woman appeared at their table. Hi, my name's Bethany and I'm going to be your server today, said the new waitress. Can I get you some iced water to start with? The pesky kids took a moment to absorb this new person in their lives. She was young and pretty and apparently happy. Not what they were used to at all. Pumpkin growled. Where's Joy? demanded April. Who? asked Bethany. The regular waitress, said April. Wears black, always has earbuds, hasn't smiled since she was two. Oh, I can't help you with that, said Bethany. I'm new. Yes, we know, said April. We would have noticed if someone this annoyingly perky had been here before. My sister doesn't mean to be rude, said Loretta, matching Bethany's upbeat smile with an uber-charming smile of her own. We're just concerned for Joy's welfare. We've grown attached to her offbeat ways. I've never met Joy, said Bethany. I only got hired yesterday. But everyone knows Joy, said April. She's the most ironically named person in Currawong. She isn't just joyless, she sucks joy from the environment around her. Did she quit, asked Finn. I don't know, said Bethany. Did she get food poisoning, asked Loretta. What, asked Bethany. You don't have a very inquiring mind, do you, accused April. Bethany's big smile started to diminish slightly. 
I only came in here to get a milkshake yesterday, she explained. There was no one serving, so I popped behind the counter to help myself. Klaus came out and offered me a job. Who's Klaus? asked April. The chef, said Bethany. Oh, you mean the angry, scary chef guy, said Finn. Huge muscles and lots of tattoos. He's been lovely to me, said Bethany. Yeah, well, you don't have April's personality. The only interaction we've had with a chef is when he's thrown April out. Where are the egg and bacon rolls, said Joe. The others had been too caught up in their conversation to notice that Joe was becoming agitated. He kept flipping the pages of the menu back and forth, scouring each one desperately. Oh, I didn't notice, said Loretta. You've got new menus. It's probably for the best. I didn't like to say anything, but the black mould that was trapped behind the plastic sheeting was a toxic hazard. There's no egg and bacon rolls, snapped Joe. Please say it's a misprint. It's the seasonal menu, said Bethany happily. The chef wants to try something new. To celebrate the potato festival for the entire month, there will only be potato-based foods on the menu. No! exclaimed Joe. The bubble and squeak is really nice, said Bethany. That's what I had for my staff breakfast. But it's $8.50, said Joe, and it's vegetarian. Klaus saw a documentary about animal cruelty, said Bethany. He's gone vegan. Oh, good for him, said April. Maybe he isn't such a deranged psychopath after all. But I'm n- not vegan, said Joe. You should think about it, said April. You're too tall and muscly anyway. I think Joe is just right how he is, said Loretta. I like b- bacon, said Joe, and eggs. You'd better make us four servings of bubble and squeak, said Finn, gathering the menus and handing them to Bethany. I think Joe's going to take a while to come to terms with his grief. If you still do milkshakes, we'll have four strawberry ones, said April. Oh, of course, said Bethany. Although now we're vegan, we use rice milk. Joe shuddered. The happy waitress bustled away. At the front of the cafe, Mum and Dad entered. Pumpkin yapped a greeting. Good morning, Bethany called out happily from behind the counter. Dad flinched, as if her happy smile was a slap in the face. He hurried over to the booth where the kids were sitting. What happened to Joy? he asked. The chef killed her, said April. If you order the lamb roast, you'll be eating her leg. Dad went pale. It's all right, Mr Pesky, said Loretta. April is joking. Joy simply went missing and no one knows where she is. Really, said Mum. Do you think Maynard's involved? Paranoid much, asked Finn. Not everyone who goes missing has been kidnapped by spies. Yeah, because why would Maynard snatch the world's grumpiest waitress, asked April. Perhaps because she wants to hire someone who has experience in poisoning people, said Finn. It's never good when people suddenly start going missing, said Mum. Maybe it's purely a coincidence, said Finn. There's no such thing as coincidence, said Mum. Not when Maynard is involved. Was this waitress Joe's girlfriend? No, why do you ask, asked Finn. He's got tears in his eyes, said Mum, and he's rocking back and forth, both classic symptoms of emotional distress. He's grieving for his favourite breakfast, explained Loretta. Mum and Dad sat down. What do we know about this new waitress, asked Mum, still eyeing Bethany warily. She smiles too much, said April. She took the bacon, said Joe. There is obviously a double agent in town, said Mum. Your position here has been compromised. They're feeding information back to our enemies. I don't have any enemies, said Dad. No, but you're married to me, and I've got enough enemies for all of us, said Mum. We're not running away, said Finn. Fine, I accept your irrational decision, said Mum, but if we're staying put, we can't let the double agent know that we know. We barely know anything, said Finn, so that shouldn't be hard. I'll do some discreet investigation, said Mum. Does discreet investigation mean putting people in chokeholds until they tell you everything, asked April. 
Not necessarily, said Mum. In the meantime, you've got to continue on as normal. Blend in. Go unnoticed. Ha! said Finn. If we start blending in and going unnoticed, people will notice. April's assaulted half the people in town, and Pumpkin's assaulted the other half. Pumpkin yapped happily at hearing his name. It sounded like he was agreeing. Here are your drinks, said Bethany, bringing over the milkshakes. She took out her notepad and turned to Mum and Dad. Can I get you to anything? I want to speak to the chef, interrupted Joe. He sounded very firm and adamant and generally un-Joe-like. He's busy making your bubble and squeak, said Bethany. I don't want fried potatoes, said Joe. He was getting increasingly agitated and his voice was starting to get louder. I want an egg and bacon roll. The potato-based menu is only for a month, said Bethany. But you said the chef had gone vegan, said Finn. Yes, said Bethany. He's planning to do an all-tofu menu next month. I can't take it, said Joe, getting to his feet. Bethany took a step back. She'd only just met Joe, so she didn't realise he was actually as gentle as a butterfly. All she saw was a six-foot-three muscle-bound teenager looming over her. The kitchen door flew open with a bang. Who yell at my lovely new waitress? It was the chef. He had a thick accent and sweaty muscled forearms with all the stirring and chopping he did in the kitchen. His eyes locked on the pesky kids in a stern glare. Not you lot again! He started striding towards their booth. As he stepped out from behind the counter, they could see he had a rolling pin in his hand. Something snapped in Mum's brain. She went into autopilot. She shot out from the booth faster than a bullet from a gun, whipped up a fork from the table and lunged for the chef. In the blink of an eye, she had him in a chokehold and was pressing the fork to his carotid artery. Mum! No! He feeds us! The pesky kids all started calling out at once as they leapt forward to pull their mother off the chef. It took all three of them, plus Loretta and Pumpkin, to get her away. In the chaos, Pumpkin used the opportunity to tear a strip off the chef's apron and run away with it. The chef was left sitting on the floor, rubbing four prong marks in his neck. Get out! He wheezed, struggling to regain his breath. As the peskies bustled their mother out onto the footpath, Bethany's smile had completely gone. And that is the end of chapter two, so we'll leave it there. So until next time, goodbye. <laughs>